Hi there. Welcome to the Kessler Law Firm podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kessler, and I've been a criminal defense attorney on Florida's Treasure Coast for almost 40 years. Normally, I would be introducing you to today's guest or topic, but instead, I'd like to share with you an appearance I did recently on the podcast, One Minute Remaining, with Jack Lawrence, a podcast where the host usually speaks to inmates serving lengthy prison sentences. On this particular episode, Jack wanted to talk to me, and in just a few minutes, you'll understand why. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show, a podcast released weekly where I'll talk to multiple inmates all serving lengthy prison sentences for some very serious crimes. In our previous episode, we heard the story of David Talley, the man with the 100-year prison sentence. He gave me the statutory maximum on each count, an aggregate sentence of 100 years with the, all the sentences running consecutive. And let me just clear something up straight away, David. You didn't kill anyone, did you? No, sir. No no officers were injured, nor were there any civilians um, injured. A 100-year sentence without the possibility of ever getting parole. So, obviously, uh, I want to chat to you about David Talley. I believe you've, yes, had, you've spoken with him before. Yes, I've... I've known David Talley for a long time. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, I haven't known David. I've known David Talley for a few months, and, uh, yeah, I mean, his story has just sort of blown me away Um, because, I I mean, I do a a podcast called One Minute Remaining, so I interview multiple different inmates about their cases, uh, and Mm -hmm. it just just so happens that about 90% of them are in the Florida um, prison system, um, which the the, the laws in Florida seem – um, well, harsh, shall we say. I would certainly agree with that. Um, so let's talk about um, David in, in particular. So as we know, David had a bit of a, a, a shady past, shall we say. He wasn't exactly a, the model citizen. Um, That's fair. Yeah, he had a, he had a drug addiction and uh, he was trying to feed that addiction by um, committing robberies on um, premises on, on like, I think the last one was a service station or a gas station, as you call it there. Um, yes, sir. And he was given this bail for a couple of days. Now, first of all, in your professional opinion, is that is that a normal thing for, for someone with a with a sort of past like he had with a drug addiction and, and multiple stays within the prison system to be able to get out on a bond like that? Yes, in Florida... Almost everyone charged with a crime is entitled to bail or bond. The amount would depend on a person's history as well as the nature of the charge and sometimes the strength of the government's case. In David's case, he was charged with two low-level felony charges, so it's not at all unusual that he would have been out on bail while the case was pending. And he... um... You say, I mean, you say, yeah, the low-level charges there. I mean, his initial um, sentencing was looking to be around about, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was about five years? He was charged with two felonies that were each punishable by up to five years. We were in the middle of trial, and if he had been found guilty, the state was going to seek two consecutive five-year sentences. Mm-hmm. In the middle of trial the two sides came together on an agreement and David agreed to accept a five-year sentence in exchange for taking the second five years off the table. Right. David asked, this was, I believe on a Wednesday, David asked for 
a couple of additional days before sentencing. And the judge agreed, but gave him the same warning he has since given people for, I don't know, 30 years. He says, I will let you have additional time until sentencing, but if you don't appear for sentencing, I'm going to go ahead and have the sentencing hearing without you, and I will not consider myself bound by any plea agreement. And the judge told David, if you don't want to agree to that, then we'll do sentencing right now. Mm. David accepted that, and then when the sentencing hearing came around on Friday, David was not with us. No. The judge went ahead and sentenced him to 10 years, five for each of the two charges, ran them consecutive to one another instead of concurrent, and he issued a warrant for David for not being in court that morning. As I understand it, when law enforcement then went looking for David, David led them on a chase and committed a series of felonies along the way mm. until they caught him. Yeah. I didn't represent him beyond that. Another lawyer did, but the judge had a pretty long memory and the judge, I think, gave him every day the law permitted. Absolutely. But it sounds like, I mean, because, uh, I mean, he ended up with a basically a hundred years prison mm -hmm. sentence. I mean, two counts of assault with a deadly weapon, which obviously are 30 year maximums on those. And he got two of those right. um, for hitting a police car with his car. Right. And um, the judge ran everything consecutive to one another. It's, I mean, it's very, I mean, David tells the story that the judge was essentially quite angry with him as you would be, you know, you're, you know, you've, you've, you've let this guy out. You've said, all right, I'm going to give you the chance here to have a couple of days in David's mind. He said he was already, there was no way he was going back to jail. He'd made that decision. He had a meeting, he had a catch up with his son, which went terribly badly, of course, because his son was sick of his father going into prison. So that compounded things. He's tried to take his own life. So that, and obviously you know, thankfully it didn't, what didn't work. So, so of course he then goes on this sort of chase. Yeah. And he essentially says when he came back in front of that judge, the judge was, was angry with him for what he did. David said he took it quite personally and I can see it from the judge's point of view, you know, cause David said, well, he said, look, you know, what had happened if you killed someone, they would have blamed me. And I, and I, again, I can see that because the media would have said, you know, what is, what are these judges doing? They're letting these, right. you know, these dangerous people out in the streets to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they, he's killed someone, look what's happened. So, I mean, obviously I, I would suggest that a judge isn't supposed to take things personally when it comes to the law, you know, the law is the law and, you know, but I suppose it would be very well, that's, difficult. That's certainly fair. The judge did make it clear to David just failing to appear in court would result in the plea agreement going away and the judge would sentence him to whatever the judge thought appropriate up to the maximum. Mm. That was how he got the first 10 years. I agree with you that judges shouldn't take this kind of thing personally. On the other hand, in Florida, at least, uh, judgeship is an elected position. And the only time judges make the papers really is when they do something, something goes wrong. controversial. And I've been involved in cases with other judges where a lenient sentence was followed by a horrific crime for somebody that would not otherwise have been out on the streets. And the judge's name gets mentioned prominently in yeah. the newspaper articles. So I can see from the judge's point of view that he did take it personally. 
you know, I'd like to think if I had been the judge, I would have taken it personally, perhaps, but that wouldn't have been reflected in the sentence. Yeah, because I mean, essentially, he's he, he said you could have killed someone, and we, we obviously can't convict somebody on something they could have done. You know, it's a case of, well, look what you could have done. Well, yes, okay, yes, well, I could have done that, but he didn't, thankfully. That's that's true, but if he had killed someone, the charges would have been different. Of course. It, it is still, uh, I mean, aggravated assault on a law enforcement officer, uh, when, you try, when a person tries to hit a law enforcement officer with a vehicle, you know, you're intentionally trying to injure a, a police officer who's doing his job. By David's account, the police officers came the wrong way down a one-way street and basically... Well, they, they may have, but they were trying to capture a person who at this point was a fugitive. Yeah. I mean, there certainly are other things the police could have done. But also, he's not Absolutely. a he's not a fugitive for a, like a murder or anything like. I mean, you know, he, he of course he's a danger to he's a danger to to the public because he's under the influence and he's in a vehicle. Of course, I hundred percent, you know. But he says that also that police chase was supposed to have been called off and they were supposed to let the helicopter just f- surveil him, but they did not. I wish it had happened that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think David intended to hurt anybody he just intended not to go to jail i wish he had just shown up in court on friday morning i think he or, wishes or that just too. or just stayed and gotten sentenced i know that he did and i know i know david's family and everybody is sorrowful that that this happened and that david's still in prison and, and will be for a while i wish that i could find a way to get him out for, for me, it's a case, you look at David's, you know, background with drugs and that sort of stuff, and, and we know, you know, it's no secret that the Florida prison system is just full of drugs. It's rife with them. If he wanted to take drugs, he could have taken drugs from the day he went in there to, and can just continued, but he didn't. He's turned his life around. He's essentially rehabilitated himself because I, I, I do feel like prisons in every country, just this country, America, you know, they all, you know, I don't think any of them are really set up for this rehabilitation that they say they are. You know, so it's it's kind of up to the prisoner. I agree. It's up to the prisoner and, to and make that decision, and he has. I I agree with you completely. In Florida, the law actually says in so many words that a judge's primary responsibility in imposing sentencing is punishment. There's no mention of rehabilitation, at least as far as the law goes. In some other state, David would come up for a parole hearing. I mean, we hear Charles Manson's followers get parole hearings. Uh, it's or crazy. crazy. They don't necessarily get out on parole, but they have a, a hearing on it. We don't really have a system of parole in Florida. It's still on the books, but it's not used. And at some point along the line, and I don't remember whether this was before or after David's case happened, but Florida now has as a matter of law that prison inmates are required to serve not less than 85% of their sentence. I think that's ridiculous personally, but that's that's the law of the land here. Yeah, and I mean look, again, I mean, I feel like he's already like David served 22 years for for his crime now essentially. And you know, that's that's almost more than someone would get if he'd actually killed someone. I mean, you know, in, not in Florida, I believe, you know, obviously in Florida, again, it's, it would have kept be a case of, you know, you're gone. But he's a man who's re- – I just, I just find it amazing that he cannot get any form of, you know, hearing where they can say, look, let's – okay, let's have a look at your, what, what's happened over the last 22 years. You've become a law clerk. You're walking, working in the prison. 
you know, you've been clean, you've stayed out of trouble, you've proven that, you know, you are rehabilitated. You know, you're in a, you're in a, a situation where you can get drugs if you want them, you haven't. You're focused on, you know, your life and getting yourself on track. You know what? 22 years for what you did, I think we can safely say you've paid your debt to society and some. I, I agree completely. And that's traditionally how a parole system works. Florida just doesn't use that anymore. And the, the judge doesn't have the authority to have a hearing and consider any of those things now. There is a, a procedure that's available. That would be a petition for what's called executive clemency. But that's, that's uh, not a legal matter. It's run through the governor's office, and the clemency board is the governor in his cabinet. And I don't know how, you know how much you might know about our current governor, but... He's not up for clemency very often. I don't know that he's ever granted anybody clemency, but he's not likely to do it in a, in a case like David's where the victims were, were law enforcement officers. Because, you know, the, the easiest thing to do is, is to paint a politician as being soft on crime. Of course. And I, I don't think with our very conservative current governor that that would happen. The, the next guy might be more open to that idea. But clemency is, is a, a matter of grace and compassion. It's not a, something that anybody's entitled to. And uh, it's very inconsistent how it's used in Florida. So from your personal opinion, from your professional opinion, do you think that David ever has a chance of, of getting out of prison? I, I hate to say never. And, and I personally like David Talley. But if I were a betting person, I wouldn't bet on his chances of getting out. All right. I mean, I don't I, look. I, I've only known David for a couple of months, so that's even devastating for me to hear because I, I very much like David too. We've spoken a lot on the phone and via message and stuff like that. And I just look at this man who who made some terrible choices when he was younger. You know, he had an addiction, all that sort of stuff. And I know there's plenty of people out there that have no time or or no compassion for anyone in, in David's situation. They'd say, well, he, you know, he made his bed, he's lying in it. But I just don't know how anyone can't look at his story and just go, it's just, I, it's mind-blowing to think that a man this man will never get another chance to to you know wrong the right you know right the wrongs that he made i I agree i think it's a terrible situation and i mean that's a reason why most states in this country have parole boards yeah so that a parole board can actually consider whether a person's rehabilitated or not and they can put things into context after some time has passed so that it's not sort of a knee-jerk reaction. It's it's unfortunate for David Talley that we don't use that system in Florida. Well, He'd be an excellent candidate oh. to be released on parole if we had that. So, I mean, I mean, so no no amount of money, you know, no amount of attorney hours is going to, you think is, is you know, going to get him back into to court to, to get this looked at again? Nothing can get him back into court. Right. You know, I, I hate to say nothing. But there's there's certainly nothing traditional. The judge no longer has jurisdiction or authority to do anything regarding David's sentence. In order to get a clemency release, he and whoever was helping him would have to uh, convince a majority of the governor's uh, clemency board, the governor and four cabinet members, that it was the right thing to do. 
Um, I think that's possible. I think five open-minded people might be open to that. I'm just not sure that we have five open-minded people. I was going to say, the important thing there is the open-minded part. (laughs) Well, it, it, it is. I mean, the way Florida law is written, that's who makes up our clemency board. We have still by law a parole board, but I don't think a governor has appointed anybody to the parole board in more than 20 years. Wow. So there aren't any parole hearings because there's nobody on the parole board to hear them. Amazing. Um, and that's basically that stopped when Florida voters passed this constitutional amendment establishing the 85% sentencing rule. And, you know, that happened after a couple of high profile cases where people committed horrible crimes after having gotten early release from prison. That's typically how we end up with really harsh, unfair laws. Yeah. They're an overreaction to something. But that's unfortunately, that's what the landscape is in Florida today. So can I ask, because, I mean, David also mentioned to me that you may have um, spoken at some point with the judge that sentenced him. And he, he, David seems to think that he may have made a comment regarding regretting some of the extensive um, sentences that he handed down. I see that judge all the time. Personally, I like him. I used to try cases against him. I've tried murder cases in front of him. I don't specifically remember that, but if it happened, I would have told David and his family about it when it happened. Yeah. I don't have any clear memory of that today, but it wouldn't surprise me if the judge said that. Well, it's not something, unfortunately, we're going to fix here this uh, today. But, um, look, I mean, I think it's just important to at least tell David's story um, and get it out there. You know, I, I don't know what difference we can make, but, you know, at least having the conversation and, and discussing it, you know, you never know what, you know, who might listen and change their minds maybe. Well, I, I think you're doing good things with this, and, and I hope David is one of the people that you're able to help. Yeah, no, me too. Absolutely, me too. And actually, one more thing before we go, because the number of the inmates I talked to, actually all the inmates I talked to have got lengthy prison sentences because, again, it's Florida and it's, it's very harsh laws. Uh, there's There's been a lot of talk about, obviously, Florida, the, the prison systems are a, a for-profit organisation. Do you think there's any uh, weight to the argument that these long sentences are handed down due to the fact that, you know, it's a money-making machine? I think that it will be that way because things seem to be moving to private for-profit prisons. Mm. But most of the Florida prisons are not private for-profit. They're government-run. Oh, right, okay. Um, and and I don't think there were any private for-profit prisons when all of this happened with David. Sure, okay. Um, but I think there's a lot of things in the criminal justice system in Florida that are part of the law only because of money. Yeah. I do, for example, I do a lot of drunk driving defense and people convicted of that crime pay all kinds of fines and surcharges and get ordered to do counseling whether they need it or not. And it's all money makers for the government. Yeah, right. Well, it's a fascinating thing and it's a very complicated thing, the law. Uh, so I take my hat off to you, sir, for, for dealing with it because <laughs> it, it must well, be a minefield. <laughs> Please give David Talley my best. I shall do, sir. I shall do indeed. I'm going to reach out to his family later or tomorrow and do the same. Right. Well, I look, I very much appreciate your time and, and you chatting with me and getting your expertise on the matter. It's, uh, it's always good to hear from someone who's, you know, in the thick of it and actually, you know, because I certainly don't know anything about the laws. I just hear, I'm here to tell stories. So it's nice to get an expert's opinion. So I do very much appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the Kessler Law Firm podcast. 
and thanks to Jack Lawrence for inviting me on to his podcast, One Minute Remaining. Whether you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on your favorite podcasting site, please click subscribe or follow so next time you come back, our latest podcast will be ready and waiting for you. If you'd like to connect and find out more about us, visit our website at www.kesslerlawfirm.com.